Hey, this is Jane from The Herb. Please support community radio and your local music scene. We can't hear you. Slavery is back. Welcome to a place where private business profit from a captive labour force, yet pennies are spent on medical services to a population in which the Indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view, the people who work in the prison system would have another, and I think it's up to people to decide uh, you know, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Hello and welcome to the Doing Time Show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855am on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. This is Marissa and I'll be taking you through until 5 o'clock this evening. And a warning that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners are warned that the following radio broadcast contains the name of a deceased person. Today we will pay tribute to Uncle Sam Watson, Brisbane Indigenous leader, leader, writer and activist who passed away on the 27th of November 2019. We honour Sam, a proud Wangara Buddha and Bidi Gubba man who had blood ties to the Jagara, Kaladun and Nunukul peoples, 1952 to 2019. And any mispronunciation of land ties are mine. Our condolences go out to Sam's family, to Nicole, his daughter, and Sam's wife, Auntie Catherine, and all the family, and also to Lara Watson, um, who I had the pleasure of speaking with on the telephone last week. Sam died at 67 years old, a fortnight after his birthday, and has led the Aboriginal struggle as a great advocate. Sam became a founding member of the Brisbane chapter of the Australian Black Panthers and he proudly belonged to the original Aboriginal Tendency. Together with Aboriginal people throughout Queensland, Sam fought against the policies of the Joe Giotti Peterson government that saw our communities subject to the oppressive controls of the former Department of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Advancement. Sam also helped with um, Aboriginal legal services in Queensland and he marched against Australia's involvement in the Vietnam War. He campaigned against the former apartheid regime in South Africa. And some of this information um, he did with us on interviews on the Doing Time show and some uh, direct quotes from NITV and um, Brisbane Times. There really wasn't very much media um, about Sam, which is a disappointment. Sam is a very important part of the Doing Time show. Essentially, he offered his love and support to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples by giving his time and energy to many, many interviews for the show. Today, we will showcase Sam's work by providing listeners with 3CR Doing Time interviews that we have compiled, and they are interviews that have been lovingly um, compiled by Peter um, and, and myself and Rob, who also does some work with the Doing Time show when he can. 
and also a thanks to Andy who helped with, with some of the editing. Sam's voice will be heard today and hereafter by special permission from the family. Sam's work will be showcased from Invasion Day rallies to deaths in custody to stolen generation. In particular, Sam and our interviews together focused on topics that needed attention, such as the massacres and the frontier wars. Sam was inclusive of refugees and towards the end of his life, he had a discussion about refugees on air and said that they are welcome here to Australia. These interviews are but a small selection and we bring you more in 2020. So you'll be hearing throughout the show different interviews from Uncle Sam Watson um, and, and he'll be, and, and it's pretty self-explanatory, you'll hear his voice throughout. But first, and this may not happen given that the funeral happened on Friday, um, but first we will hopefully hear from the Cole, um, Sam's daughter, who expressed interest in coming onto the show to speak about her father. Um, I'll now go into an announcement and we will see if we can get um, Nicole on the line. 3CR's having a festive season craft auction fundraiser. Join us on Thursday the 12th of December for Radio Craft at 15 Smith Street Fitzroy right next door to the station. Doors open at 5.30pm to have a look at the works, enjoy a drink at our donation bar, music and snacks. Live auction starts at 7pm. We're still seeking donations of crafts in any of its wonderful forms, so if you'd like to make a donation, you can drop it off at 3CR any weekday between 9am and 5pm or email radiocraft3cr at gmail.com for more information. And you're back with the Doing Time show. So um, I'm just going to play that announcement again while we, um, we line up Nicole. 3CR's having a festive season craft auction fundraiser. Join us on Thursday the 12th of December for Radio Craft at 15 Smith Street Fitzroy, right next door to the station. Doors open at 5.30pm to have a look at the works, enjoy a drink at our donation bar, music and snacks. Live auction starts at 7pm. We're still seeking donations of crafts in any of its wonderful forms, so if you'd like to make a donation, you can drop it off at 3CR any weekday between 9am and 5pm or email radiocraft3cr at gmail.com for more information. Come 
comfort our children They shed a tear And you're back with the Doing Time show. And we're going to be now speaking with Nicole Watson, who is daughter of, um, of Sam Watson. Hello, Nicole. It's Marissa. Welcome to the program. Hi, Marissa. Thank you. It's lovely to have you. And I certainly won't keep you very long. You're on air. It's lovely to have you. And I'll be guided by you as to what you, would, you, you wish to say about your dad. What, what would you like oh. to say? Um, well, it's, it's, it's uh, been a, a lot to process these um, past few days, um, but I just uh, cling to the really wonderful memories of Dad. Um, I was incredibly lucky to have such a wonderful Dad and uh, to spend so much time with him. Yes. Um, he was a genuinely good person. He was compassionate. Um, he had faith in people. He was able to build bridges uh, with people from all different walks of life. Yes. Uh, yep. Even people who had very different political beliefs to his own. Um, and I'm inspired by the great work that he did for our community. Indeed. And, and I believe it was you on NITV um Nicole, before the interview, uh, before today, that before the funeral, actually, and you you did a, a lovely statement on behalf of the family. Yeah, I know. We knew that um, a lot of his friends in the community um, had heard that he was was gravely ill, and, and they were very worried about him. Um, so we wanted that many friends to find out in a nice way, which is why the family decided to issue a statement. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and Nicole, I made sure actually not to put his voice on while you're on hold out of respect for you. Thank you. And and I wanted to thank you and, and please thank the family as well for giving their permission to air his, his interview. But if you have changed your mind, let me know now and I won't play it. Sure, it, it's fine. It's fine. I, I, he really did do some wonderful work with us, Nicole. Yeah, and I, I do remember our dad mentioning your show. Um, dad never said no to an interview. <laughs> no. So um, as his daughter, I, I'm really doing this for dad. Um, he was, uh, yeah, I just don't ever remember him saying no to a journalist before. <laughs> oh, yeah, it wasn't just us. He, he did a, a, lot, of, a lot of media. <laughs> we have to laugh, don't we, really? He'd, he'd want us to laugh, wouldn't he, and celebrate his life. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, and in fact... Sure. You, you know, the thing that really touched me was was um, I read a report about about the funeral and how it was at Mosgrove Park. Is that right? That would have been yes. a beautiful send off. It was. Um, it's obviously been a very difficult time for us, but we have been um, buoyed by the love and kindness that we received from so many people, um, and we also received a great deal of support um, in. Uh, in preparing for the funeral, um, the Brisbane City Council allowed us to 
send out off from Musgrave Park, which was always a very important place to him, and they uh, provided marquees. Yeah. Um, so that over, I think it was over a thousand people um, came to say goodbye, and they didn't have to do so in, in the the hot sun. Um, yeah. Yeah, and and even the Queensland Police Service um, were were actually very supportive of the funeral. Oh. Um, yeah, I, people from all walks of life, as I said, um, came to pay their respect to Dad. So uh, we're very grateful for that. It's, it's given us a, a great deal of comfort um, during probably what, what has been the most difficult time of our lives. Absolutely. And, and please pa- pass on our condolences, won't you, to the, to the rest of the family and to Auntie Catherine. Thank you. I will. Nicole, I'll, I'll leave it with you. This is a, would, would, would be a most difficult time for you and, and, and thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. I, I think uh, Dad wouldn't have it any other way. He wouldn't, in fact. And pretty soon, pretty soon, the radio airwaves are going to be blasted with his work. <laughs> that sounds highly appropriate. Thank you so much, Nicole. Any final comments? Uh I, I, I just I feel incredibly lucky to have the wonderful dad that I did, um, and I'm so grateful for the support that my family has received this week. Absolutely. And how would you sum up his work? Uh, um, he was a trailblazer. Uh, he was a paradox. <laughs> he could be staunch and angry, but he was also incredibly sensitive. And he had great empathy. And I'm, he was my best friend, and I'm going to miss him a great deal. Me too. Yeah. And and he did the refer. Didn't he hand out cards for the referendum, Nicole? Yeah, yeah. He was a teenager what, what? when he did that. Um, and then he was, well, he belonged to a generation who thought that so much change would come out of the referendum and when the Commonwealth didn't really uh, use its new power to make laws in, in relation to our people, um, Dad got swept up in the Black Power movement and uh, that was when he met, he met brilliant people like, like Uncle Gary Foley yeah. and uh, marched and organised for, for many years and helped to, um, to build the foundations for um, many of our community survival programs. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, the 1967 referendum, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, so that was a very important landmark, um, wasn't it, in terms of the how to vote. He was handing out how to vote cards for the Yes campaign, wasn't it, for the 1976 yes, referendum? Yes, And it was successful. 1967. Yes, it, it was successful. Um, but unfortunately, the, the Commonwealth Government didn't really um, come up with a, a bold program for our people until uh, the election of the Whitlam Government in '72. And uh, Dad was then at the, the Aboriginal Tendi Embassy in Canberra. Um, and, yeah, they, um, I understand that they met with members of the Whitlam government and uh, that was a very exciting time. Absolutely. Nicole, thank you so much once again. Thank you. As I said, Dad would not have it any other way. Uh, and, and can I just send a yeah, much Absolutely. love to our, to our friends out in the broader community who, who are also grieving. Um, I, I just want to send them my love. Any any individual cheerios you want to send out? Uh, no, Dad had so many friends. He did. Um, <laughs> it, 
it would be difficult to uh, to name all of them. I wanted to send out a cheerio to Lara Watson. Actually, she Lyle Lara. Oh yeah, yeah, Annie Lara, yeah, Annie Lara, yeah, she. She, um, yeah, Lara. Yep. She did a lot of work with, with the unions, and she was she um is grieving also, I believe. Yeah, yeah. It's it's been a tough fam, a tough time for our family, but we've really come together, um, and we've just drawn so much comfort from all the support that we have received. Beautiful. All right, Nicole. Well, you take care, and and we're going to remember him. We will. We will. And I, I really hope that the Invasion Day rallies next year are just huge because I know that, that Dad will still be there in spirit. He will miss it. Indeed he will. And his legacy will continue, as, you, as you've said. Yes. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Take care, right, Nicole. goodbye. Thank Take you. Take care. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. And that was Nicole Watson, daughter of um, Uncle Sam Watson, who has just given a very beautiful tribute for her dad. So without any further ado, we're now going to go into the audio um, of, of the interviews and I'll just play them um, as, as they're meant to be played. Here we go. Oh, my goodness, something's happened here. First up, we're going to be speaking with Sam Watson, Aboriginal elder and activist from um, Queensland, and specifically Brisbane, and he'll tell you what land he's on when he introduces himself. We'll be speaking with Sam Watson uh, about a number of issues, basically about um, heart disease rates going up in Aboriginal children. We'll also speak with him about the recent role that Tony Abbott has been allocated in the federal government specifically being the Indigenous Convoy. Hello, Sam. Welcome to the program. Yeah, and thanks for uh, inviting us on. And uh, g'day to uh, all you mob across the uh, radio land, as it were. And, uh, yeah, hope everyone is well and that uh, we are surviving under the uh, under this appalling bloody, uh, political system that we've been thrust into. And uh, really, you look at... Uh, the federal government, you think, oh my God, you know, it's, uh, they're a great recipe for uh, for disaster, and they uh, they really are an outstanding advertisement for armed revolution and uprising. Absolutely, absolutely, Sam. I'm wondering, could you tell us what land you're from first of all, because it's yeah. really important for listeners to know that. Okay, I was born and raised here in a place now called Brisbane, but. Uh, my grandmother's country is a little bit uh, further southeast of here, and uh, we're, we're Wanjibara people. Our country extends from a um, place called uh, Beanley across to Mount Jamboree and down to the border ranges, and that's country of the uh, the pretty face wallaby. And uh, the our the senior women in our family have always been keepers of uh, a particular group of songlines that uh, journey from the border ranges. Uh, up through uh, the southeast Queensland area and into the Sunshine Coast. So that's our country. And on grandfather's side, of course, we're Bowen Basin mob. We uh, belong to Mount Nebo uh, and around that place where that Adani mob want to put their big new coal mine. But, uh, you know, 
and well, we're going to stop them, of course, one time. Absolutely. It is important for your mob to stop that, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, we've, had, we've had enormous support across the uh, the broader community and that, again, just uh, exemplifies and uh, solidifies the uh, the importance of the, the working partnership that's now developed between the, the black political movement and the broader mainstream political struggle because, uh, as I say, you know, uh, United we stand, but divided we fall. So we do need to come together and stand together one time. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's pretty important. So I think um, what we need to concentrate on now, Sam, is I'm wondering if you could just talk a little bit about the heart disease in Aboriginal children. And you're, you were mentioning off air that, um, that rates were going up. That's right. And uh, in, in recent weeks, the recent months, uh, senior uh, medical, medical people have, uh, you know, raised the alarm bells because uh, Aboriginal children in, in those so-called remote communities uh, are suffering from diseases and conditions that uh, disappeared from the mainstream urban communities years ago, decades ago. Um, and when you see these, these small children... Um, with very tiny, thin bodies, uh, because they they're quite malnourished as well, um, and have the the you know age-old diseases uh, and symptoms. Um, and you see these little ones having to undertake uh, over-heart surgeries at their age before their tenth, twelfth birthdays. It's uh, it's absolutely appalling. And then you um, and then our mob, who are you know journalists and camera people as well, go behind the uh, the scenes and have a look at the the appalling conditions that our people have to live in in those remote communities. And it's just, uh, it's mind-numbing that uh, these children have to live in places like that. Uh, and, and it goes back to, you know, this uh, right across that broad gamut of uh, from day one of the European invasion of our country, right the way through the 1800s, the 1900s. And even though uh, historians and politicians will come forward and say, there have been great improvements that uh, Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people were able to take actions before the Industrial Relations Court and and win the right to um, you know to be paid equal wages. But what what happened during the uh, 50s, 60s, 70s is that when our people did take actions through the the upper courts and win the right to be paid uh, equal wages instead of being paid uh, bags of rations, um, the the white fellows who owned the, the cattle runs and ran the big properties and uh, sold the beef. Whitefellas didn't pay the equal wages that they were ordered to by the court. Whitefellas uh, simply sacked uh, Aboriginal workers and just removed them from those places which were their traditional homelands. So when you win on one hand, when you win the right to, to demand equal wages, uh, the, the ruling class uh, will respond by simply stripping away further rights. So it's uh, yeah. an ongoing class warfare. Yep. It, definitely a class war. And, and in fact, that really adds up historically, doesn't it, to the fact what you're saying then, Sam, is that there's been a lot of atrocities that have happened um, during colonisation and during the frontier wars, which isn't acknowledged at all. That's right. I mean, picked up the uh, weekend papers, to, as we always do, me and Catherine, uh, and... We saw one of one of Australia's uh, best known, uh, you know, live music performers, Troy Casadale, is a wonderful, yes. uh, wonderful 
performer, great uh, great voice and strong, uh, you know, uh, Aboriginal man. And he tells this incredible story about uh, growing up uh, in his in his country and uh, the way in which his grandmother uh, forbade him and his mob, him and his, you know, the, his brothers and sisters to not go to a certain place in their neighbourhood, not to go to a certain place. And uh, and it wasn't until years later uh, that he was finally told, uh, when he got a bit older, that uh, the reason why the children were, were barred from going into this place was because that was a massacre site. And, you know, there wouldn't be... Every every Aboriginal community across Australia, every Aboriginal family uh, would have a truth like that uh, back there in, in the shadows where... And they're not told these things until until they're old enough to be able to process uh, just what happened. So that's right. And and you know that you, you know that uh, hundreds, thousands of our people were were slaughtered, massacred, hunted down like like uh, animals, uh, like feral pests, and uh, and yet very rarely uh, were any of these murderers, any of these butchers uh, ever ever brought to account. I mean. After the Second World, the atrocities of the Second World War, uh, the you know the global authorities spent decades uh, tracking down the perpetrators of the Nazi Holocaust, uh, and large numbers of those those criminals and butchers uh, yeah. were actually arrested, charged, taken before the courts, and and dealt with. But uh, here in Australia, uh, very few of those people have committed those terrible. Absolutely no. It's 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 uh, there's a there's a lot of stuff about massacres, and I'd like to talk to you about another show because that'll just take up a whole show, really. But we've only got a couple yeah. of minutes left. But yeah, so yeah. so with the the heart rates of of children, we've, yes. Um, what are some solutions that that we can have put in place to try well, and improve that medical care? Every Australian child should have access to decent potable drinking water. That that's a big start. So mm-hmm. all our children, regardless of where they're growing up, in the back of the back of the APY lands or the middle of Brisbane City or Melbourne, they all need to have access to decent drinking water. All our children need need access to a decent bedroom, a decent bed. Oh, I see. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, decent, and then the kitchen has got to be a fridge full of food, decent food, you know, fruit, veggies, mm. uh, whole grain breads, these sort of things. Kitties need to have uh, access to the proper things so they can conduct their schoolwork. So they come home, they have a, a, a teaching space, a learning space where they can do their homework because education is so critical. It's such, such, such an important part of the, uh, the growing really up process. Is. So that's a big step. So it, and it you need to have the children. I mean, that's that old saying that's been around for a long, long time that it takes a village to raise a child. Well, in our community, in our culture, um, again, you need to involve the elders. I mean, I've, I've been to universities, I've been at colleges and all this sort of gear. Never got my degree, but, well, you know, no drama. I'm not going to lose any sleep over that. But 99% of what I know, I learned from my elders sitting in place like Musgrave Park. You know, didn't learn in white colour classrooms. I learned it there, sitting down there with uncles and aunties. It travelled the world and taught me those things I need to know as an Aboriginal man. So... These children are fortunate because they have no future in front of them because they can't see any success stories in their own families, in their own communities. They think 
they just they've just given up so early. They just don't think they have any hope in life. And, Absolutely, uh, it's and a- we need to turn that around. We need to engage with them. We need to engage with their parents, their communities. We need to say no. There, there is a life beyond this that uh, you will succeed. And we need to actually, as I said, um, you've talked about it in the context of history as well, which is important. Now, just very quickly, um, are you able to just quickly comment, because I know this is something you wanted to talk about, about what what you think as, as an Indigenous person in regards to Abbott, um, Tony Abbott having that role um, uh, liaising with Indigenous people? Well, Tony Abbott can take his bike and he can take his red uh, speedos and you stick them where the sun don't shine because uh, he was a waste of time as, as a Prime Minister, a waste of time as a politician. Um, I mean, these, these mob down in Canberra, we don't see them up here in places like Brisbane. You don't see them in places like Palm Island or Doomadgee or out on the APY lands or in those 73 designated communities in the Territory. You don't see them, uh, you know, in the, in the real places where... Aboriginal people live and work and battle day to day. So Tony Abbott needs to get out there. If he's going to be the uh, the you know the minister minister's envoy for Aboriginal affairs, he gets that needs to get down to a place like Musgrave Park. Uh, there's there's over fifty thousand Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people living and working in Brisbane. Yet we have never had a federal minister for Aboriginal affairs visit us here in Brisbane. Since I can't even recall the last That's... time we had a federal politician visit here and find out exactly what the challenges are, because you know we we had a meeting at Musgrave Park this morning simply because uh, at Musgrave Park we're getting large numbers of, of young kiddies dropping out of school very early, coming into place like Musgrave Park, uh, and unfortunately picking up um, really bad habits and messing around with. Uh, with paint cans and, and petrol and that, those sorts of things. So we need to be have the funds and the resources so that we can stop this now, so that uh, we can save these children from, from going on that downward spiral into into further and more more desperate addiction. So. Well, I'm hoping that uh, you know we can we can actually take listeners back to when Tony Abbott said that um, before um, white people came that it was just bush that it was Terranellis. This day, um, called Australia Day, at the time to celebrate, why Why is that? Well, I mean, we'll look back at uh, January 26, 1788, mm. uh, and we look at the first National Day of Protest that was January 26, uh, 1938. So in 1938... Uh, White Australia celebrated the 150th anniversary of the arrival of the First Fleet. But on that day in Sydney, at the Australia Hall in Elizabeth Street, Sydney, and that building is still there and is heritage listed, there was a very large gathering of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, and there were a number of people went down from Brisbane uh, for this meeting. And on that day, the leaders, men and women, uh, released a pamphlet that uh, really did challenge white Australia to acknowledge the enormous uh, damage they had caused to Aboriginal populations, to our our country, our sacred lands, to our sacred places, and posed that question, uh, just what has Aboriginal Australia really have to celebrate on January 26th? Mm. Now, many of the questions and many of the positions put forward 
by those leaders in 1938 are still very, very relevant to us here today because the leaders of that day, people like uh, the Pattons, Ferguson, Arnie Pearl Gibbs and, and many others, were concerned about uh, the, the authorities coming into our communities and removing our children. They were concerned about uh, citizenship rights, the right to vote, the right to a basic standard of living uh, with housing, health, education, employment. Those bread and butter issues that impact on Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Yeah. Big impacts back there in 1938 and still big impacts today. And you just heard two very important interviews uh, by with Sam Watson, who died on November uh, 27th, 2019. And that last interview was... Um, a segment from Peter, um, also from the Doin' Time show. And Peter is also very grieved about about Sam and, and Rob too. It's approximately 4.33. I'll be playing you some more audio shortly. But, yeah, just wanted to also talk about some media sources that um, has talked about Sam Watson. The Green Left Weekly had an excellent article documenting some of his work and also... Um, Brisbane Times, as I said early on in the show, and um, NITV, who um, had spoke about, um, had a statement by the family. And I'll just quote you a, a little bit about the funeral. Um, Brisbane Times actually called Sam a leader, um, and he's been remembered as a caring, compassionate, ag- 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 sorry, advocate for the rights of Indigenous people and others at a public funeral service last Friday. And they talk a lot about the fact that mourners with fists upraised paid tribute to a giant of the Brisbane community and just talked about how Dr Gary Foley also spoke and a lot of thousands of people farewelled um, the proud Indigenous leader who had ties to the Jagera community and I've already spoken about the lands that he's from earlier on in the in the show. And this is a quote. We'd get no better place for Aboriginal people, I suppose, in the whole of Queensland than right here, said Uncle Des Sandy, during a welcome to country, the home for us in Musgrave Park. And I happen to know that Sam really loved Musgrave Park and it was a centre for a lot of a lot of um activism um there. And the the Green Left Weekly um, really paid tribute as well and they called him also a giant of the Aboriginal rights struggle. Um, They talked also how he um, was a filmmaker. He was the Socialist Alliance's South Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders Affairs spokesperson for many years. And he's a lifelong fighter against racism and... A quote from Sam directly, our mob is ready to struggle. As, and he was a leading muddy activist uh, based in Brisbane. And um, a quote from the Green Left Weekly, Watson was a veteran of Indigenous rights struggles going back to the 1960s. And he was a former academic at the University of Queensland and received honours for his 1990 novel, The Date Jaker, sung an acclaim for his 1995 film also, Black Man Down. It's approximately 4.35 and I'll be bringing you now more audio from um, Sam Watson and and here's, here's another one. 
with, without any further ado. But we now have um, Sam Watson on the line, who's an Indigenous activist from Queensland, has been with us many, many times on the show. Mr Walker's um, issues, uh, death in custody, is a national issue, and he's very happy to talk about it. Hello, Sam. Welcome to the program. Hello. How are you? Eh, not bad, Sam. Not bad. <laughs> Considering all the deaths in custody that have happened. Can you tell us, you know, what, what happened with, with Mr Walker? We can't go into no. We can't do detail, too much detail. Those those matters now have to be canvassed by legal representatives acting for the family. Yes, and there are there is a team of lawyers up there um, consulting with the family, loved ones, and community leaders. So that's that's in process. Um, it's unusual that um, the Northern Territory Police have come forward and charged a police officer with, with murder, the top grade charge. So as of that say, that's an unusual uh, step. Certainly warranted, given the, the circumstances that we're aware of. But uh, I think generally um, people across Australia, um, particularly uh, Indigenous people, are saying that uh, this this has got to stop. But uh, since, uh, since the recommendations of the Royal Commission were handed, handed down, in 1991, uh, there have been a further 442 Aboriginal deaths in custody. So, and every time we confront a death in custody situation, we're dealing with the same set of circumstances, the same patterns of response uh, by armed police and the, uh, the inevitable death to a prisoner. So really, we really do need to pressure um, the federal government to take direct direct responsibility for Aboriginal deaths in custody cases. There needs to be a national office set up, and that national office must be based uh, in Sydney or Melbourne. Um, and as soon as a death in custody happens anywhere in the six states or the Northern Territory, um, there must be a specialist team sent to that place uh, within, within the first two hours. That specialist team must take full control of the of the situation. They must take full control of the all the forensic evidence and material and uh, they must be the principal investigators and they must be that team must be in absolute uh, control of the movements of police or prison officers, uh, whichever the case may be. So we have to elevate uh, these deaths and custody situations to a, a special level, and we must have that independent agency that can that has the authority, the legislative authority and power to be able to take full control of the situation uh, to isolate the police uh, involved, so that the police don't have every opportunity to do what they've done in the past, which is to sit with each other for hours, one hours, uh, and the lawyers and cook up a convenient. Uh, version of events that will ensure that no one's going to be charged. So, And you're back with the Doing Time show and we're speaking now with Sam Watson. We just spoke to Vicky Roach um, before about Invasion Day and she was saying that it was a, a day of mourning and we talked quite a lot about a, a range of different issues including changing the date um, and I'm just... T- late, talking about this just so we can get 
Sam Watson psyched up there. Hi, Sam. How's it going? Good, mate. How you doing? Lovely to have you. Now, um, yeah, how, let's start off then um, talking about Invasion Day. This is not a debate as to whether or not it is Invasion Day. I'm not interested in doing that. <laughs> but um, could you just start off by talking about that and, and what, what it means to you and what are the, the issues for you? And talk about what land oh, you're from as well. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, uh, the modern-day uh, black political struggle um, was launched back in January 26, uh, 1930, 1938. I mean, on the day when uh, when white Australia was uh, celebrating the uh, 150th anniversary of the arrival of the First Fleet, Aboriginal political leaders from right across the country gathered in uh, in this hall in in middle of Sydney, and they had their first National Day of Protest. And the leaders issued this incredible. Uh, statement where they really challenged white Australia and uh, laid the truth out, used incredibly uh, visionary language and laid the facts down. And, and ever since then, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people have been uh, observing the 26th of January as being the day of the, uh, the genocide wars, the day when uh, the British uh, launched an, an illegal armed invasion of, of sovereign land uh, where they usurped uh, and dispossessed Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations of, of uh, our traditional homelands and, and launched this uh, bloody, uh, horrific, uh, violent campaign against Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people right across the country. So as uh, the leaders of 1938 stated back back then, that uh, uh, we do not have anything to celebrate as a people, that uh, we stand before uh, the world and, and we say, look what has happened since 1938, look at the crimes that have been perpetrated against our people, against our culture, against our country. So 1938 uh, and 2018, it's the uh, same thing. So nothing has changed. I think if, if, uh, if more so, white Australia has become more deeply entrenched into mm. this culture of absolute denial. And you're back with the Doing Time show. And those last two interviews were particularly significant in that the second last interview was was the the final interview before Sam passed away. And indeed, um, I think he really did sound a little bit ill, actually, on, on that interview, but he proudly soldiered on. And... The last interview, and I think Peter and I were both present um, at that show, and that I believe that was actually a week before um, he went to hospital. And sorry, um, the, yeah, the final last interview was a week before he went to hospital um, in November. But the Invasion Day one, um, the last one, that was last year, I believe. And you heard Nicole, his daughter, talking about that, that Sam would want the rallies to get bigger and bigger. And I do urge listeners uh, all over the country to please um, try to rock up to the rally um, on Australia Day. It's it's almost the end of um, program, not programming, but programming until summer comes. Technically, summer has come, but summer programming itself is, I believe, is starting after the 16th of December. And we will be back on Survival Day um, for our show, 
which I believe is about on the 26th of January on the Monday. Um, it's approximately 4.44 and you're listening to a tribute of Uncle Sam Watson, Aboriginal leader of um, the Aboriginal rights struggle. And we've just compiled um, some audio. Those are the interviews that, that we have ac- actually done so far. But we will be bringing you other interviews um, in 2020. And I think now we will have um, a song break. And I'm going to be playing you now um, a song called Summer Rain by Coloured Stone. Stay tuned. I can see the fading misty haze You can feel the crystal drops of rain You can call it mist or just some steam Falling right down into the sea But the ocean rises everywhere Now it's raining on the sea and land One thing that's for sure That it's real Shame. 
back with the Doing Time show. It's approximately 4.49 and I just want to spend um, the next couple of minutes drawing, if you like, conclusions about the tribute to Uncle Sam Watson. And I felt that while that song was playing, I was just having a look at the article by Green Left Weekly and I know I've summarised most of it, but I wanted to actually point out a paragraph that I felt was pretty pertinent to Sam's work And indeed, we are actually showcasing Sam's work today and celebrating his work. So I'll just read out um, this paragraph um, from Greenleaf Weekly, which I thought was very thoughtful. And they say, and it was a recent article, throughout the 1970s, Sam worked with elders to establish Aboriginal community organisations and peak bodies in health, housing, education, employment and legal aid. He was an important figure in the Brisbane Aboriginal Legal Service in the 1990s. Sam was also a long-time socialist. He always saw the necessity to unite the struggles of Indigenous people with the movements of working people and the oppressed. Watson contested a number of elections at state and federal levels for SA, South Australia. Running in the March 2009 Queensland state election, Watson told Green Left Weekly, and this is a direct quote, Socialist Alliance won't tolerate pressure on the most vulnerable in our community. We stand for supporting people instead. We won't support big businesses rush to profit at our expense. We stand up for the rights of working people, the unemployed, students. They are the backbone of our community, yet their rights are being compromised. And we will be encouraging people not to feel like victims, but to consider themselves strong, powerful people. And on election day, they will be powerful. Watson stressed that SA was not just after votes but is an activist campaigning party. Even after Election Day, we are a people-based party and we will continue to connect with people unlike the corporate parties. Regarding the current status of the Aboriginal land rights struggle, Sam told Greenleaf Weekly in January last year, Aboriginal people are deeply concerned about the role of multinational corporations which are seizing our land, which are seizing our land and water and destroying it. In Western Australia, we face uranium mining. In the Northern Territory, a nuclear waste dump. And in Queensland, they want to turn our state into one big coal mine. The fight for Aboriginal land rights is still critical for us. Our people will fight to defend our homelands from mining and other threats. 
On the current challenges facing the Aboriginal movement, Sam said, the Aboriginal rights movement is at a crossroads right now. From the 1990s to the present, we experienced a process of transition from the stress from the streets to the broad boardrooms. But the young people are becoming impatient again. Devolution of the black political movement is going on. Aboriginal people are moving back into the streets to confront white power once more. Aboriginal people face major problems right now and we are demanding strong action immediately. I believe that was a typo. I think it was revolution. And then the author of Green Left Weekly also mentions, as I said earlier, that um, that he was a playwright and writer, Sam Watson. And he says, the author, I was a friend of Sam and worked closely with him over many years in Brisbane. I always admired and loved him for his tireless work for the Aboriginal community, working people and the poor. He had a vision of a future socialist society in which black and white communities would live together in harmony and cooperation and where full sovereignty of Indigenous people would be recognised. Socialist or not, um, Sam, regardless of political parties, spoke a lot about this. And in fact, I do remember a particular interview where I invited um, quite a number of refugees. The studio was full and this would have been... um, about a couple of months ago. And he spoke to those refugees and, and sent a message through to an Iraqi Ali, uh, an Iraqi guy called Ali who's um, imprisoned in detention, that all refugees are, are welcome to the land. All refugees are welcome in Australia. It's approximately 4.53. Also, please note that, and, and I wanted to remind listeners about what Nicole said about her dad, that he welcomed and accepted people from all political persuasions, that it wasn't just about one political party, it wasn't just about politics. He embraced human rights and he welcomed everybody and it didn't matter whether they were socialist, Christian, Muslim or whatever. It's approximately 4.54 and we've got about three minutes left of our show. Um, I just wanted to... Um, end by saying that this has been a very difficult show for the for the for the members of the Do and Time Collective, and we have worked hard to pay tribute to Sam Watson, and he will be greatly missed. And indeed, we need to also keep fighting, not just for Sam, but for all Aboriginal people. It has been a really tough year for the Do and Time show because we actually embrace grassroots activism. It's not just about doing a radio show and doing interviews. We are out on the streets. We are in the courtroom. Um, It was a very harrowing time when we attended the inquest of Auntie Tanya Day. The Do and Time show was there and we covered that, that inquest extensively. And we're hoping next year when the findings are handed down that we will be um, speaking with the, um, the daughters of Tanya, Auntie Tanya Day. And, of course, we had Mr Walker who, who died as well, Joyce Clark as well. Um, we always um, honour the anniversaries of, of the people that have died as well. And I'm sure that there are um, anniversaries coming up, more anniversaries coming up of Aboriginal deaths in custody. So just to make that clear, that 3CR is is not Murdoch. You know, we're, we're here to look at real media and to actually look at real um, struggles 
and report on those. And we plan to carry on the legacy of Uncle Sam Watson. Aboriginal people do die younger. And um, Sam was only 67. And we're not going to make it a tragedy. We're going to make it a celebration of his life. And we will continue, the Doing Time Show will continue to defend the lands and we will continue to defend and build the movement to stop Aboriginal deaths in custody. Um, also, um, a thank you to, to Charand of Singh, who um, assisted us with getting in touch with um, with Nicole as we had to work hard to track down family members, of, well, at least one family member, to get permission for this audio to be played. And again, our condolences go out to the family and our podcast will be available soon for people to listen in case um, listeners missed out. So, um, Sam, you have you have completed your journey home and may you walk your lands in peace. And we're going to be going out with our theme song, Blackfella, Whitefella, from the Rumpy Band. And stay tuned next Monday, the 16th December, which will be our last show. And then there will be summer programming and we will be back on Survival Day to do a kick-ass show and um, get on with continuing to expose oppression and brutality. Thank you very much. Take care. A true fella, as long as you are real fella. <laughs>